0: Corporate whistleblowers may finally have a means of protecting themselves from retaliation. Hi everybody, I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. The life of a whistleblower is not an easy one. There's often a huge price to pay for disclosing corporate malfeasance in the form of massive legal fees, employment termination, inability to find another job, and endless harassment from the company in question. Often whistleblowers themselves become the target of retaliatory lawsuits. But there's hope for whistleblowers after all. New laws offer the possibility of confidentiality coupled with monetary rewards. My guest today is considered the nation's leading whistleblower attorney and is co-founder of the National Whistleblower Center. He is Stephen M. Cohn, partner in the Washington, D.C. law firm of Cohn, Cohn, and Colapinto. He is the author of The New Whistleblower's Handbook, a step-by-step guide to doing what's right and protecting yourself. We'll hear about the evolution of whistleblower laws, how anonymity is becoming an option for whistleblowers, and when they should and should not go public with their accusations. Most importantly, we'll find out why whistleblowing is no longer guaranteed to result in career destruction. So here is my conversation with Stephen Cohn. Stephen Cohn, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: I'm looking at a book, The New Whistleblower's Handbook, which is 550 pages long, 356 pages of text, over 100 pages of checklists, and 100 more of notes and resources. If I were a whistleblower, I would already be intimidated. I mean, this is really what you've got to know, is it? I mean, there's this much information that you need at your fingertips in order to be a successful whistleblower in today's corporate environment?
1: Well, yes and no. Yes, because there's over 50 separate federal laws. So you need to know what's out there. No, because when you go into the handbook and look at the rules, you can find the rules that relate to you. So for example, I have a rule about if, you, if you're if you blowing the whistle on fraud against the government. There's a specific rule for that. I have a rule if you're blowing the whistle about ocean pollution. So You're blowing the whistle on fraud against the government. You don't need to read the other rule. But in the United States, there's no one law for whistleblowing. And that causes tremendous confusion. If you think about, say, the law against discrimination on race, there's one big law, Title VII. If you're discriminated because you're black or Hispanic, you file under that one law. We've got a law for banking. We have a law for taxes, a law for... Wall Street, a law for the environment. So you need to know where you fit.
0: Could you give me, I know we could talk about this for hours, but would it be possible to give me kind of a capsule review of how whistleblowing laws have changed over the past 30 years or even more recently where we've seen a whole slew of new laws that kind of redefine and reposition a whistleblower in, in, in today's world? How, how has that changed and where are we now with regard to the position of the whistleblower?
1: Well, it's been a radical change. And in fact, under the new laws, the word whistleblower is a misnomer because whistleblowers are encouraged not to go public, not to make a big loud stink, but to give high-quality information about frauds and violations of law to government investigators. And then the whistleblower is compensated not because they're fired, or their you know their careers are destroyed they're compensated if their information about the violations is accurate and can be used to hold the wrongdoer accountable and this has had a radical transformation on enforcement of major fraud laws including taxes securities wall street government contracting the whistleblower today is the number one source for all the fraud prosecution many of them can pursue their claims anonymously and confidentially they can hold on to their jobs because no one knows who they are and they're eligible for large monetary rewards so your compensation for taking the risk of being a whistleblower is not to get paid when your life is destroyed but to get compensated based on the value of the information you're producing so this is just a complete change in the law and in the ability of whistleblowers to really hold wrongdoers accountable.
0: Well, for lack of a better term, I guess we'll continue to call them whistleblowers. Uh, but there is a case before the Supreme Court. Is there not at the moment? Was it a digital uh, reality trust, Inc. versus Summers? Is, is that, have I got that correct? And what yes, is the implication of that yeah. law?
1: Well, th- this is uh, what I would actually view as corporate America showing their true color. They, corporate America, and this is a, the digital trust company, it's a very, very large publicly traded REIT, a real estate company, one of the largest, supported by the Chamber of Commerce, which pretends to speak for most businesses. And what they're trying to say, what they're actually arguing to the U.S. Supreme Court, hold on to your seats, is that they can fire employees who report fraud to their supervisor. They're
0: arguing
1: Mm. that the major anti-fraud whistleblower law, the Dodd-Frank Act, does not cover auditors. So if an auditor reports a finding, they can get fired. Doesn't protect quality control inspectors. Doesn't protect compliance officials. Doesn't protect any employee who reports internally to the company. Most whistleblowers start with an internal report. It is simply an outrageous position for these companies to come before the U.S. Supreme Court to make it the law of the land to strip internal whistleblowers of all protection. And what the paradox here is if they win that case, the only way a corporate whistleblower blowing the whistle on securities fraud can be protected is to go to the government. And then you may ask, why would these companies want to force whistleblowers to go to the government? The reason is, is they want to control their auditors, their compliance officials, and that they know that most employees report internally first. They want to be able to fire them. It is an incredibly important decision. It makes no common sense because most concerns should be raised internally and get worked out if they can makes no sense. But that's before the Supreme Court right now.
0: Well, the fact it is before the Supreme Court suggests that it's been through lower courts to get to this point. What has been the nature of the lower court rulings up to this point? Has digital reality been winning those decisions or losing them to get to this point?
1: Okay, the first case came up at the Fifth Circuit by General Electric. They won, they, the, the internal whistleblower, the whistleblower, he went to the corporate ombudsman and got fired, and GE won. But that case was unique because no one saw it coming. No one filed the amicus briefs, no one really prepared, because it's so incredible for a company to say, if you go to our audit committee, if you go to our, our ombudsman, if you report to our lawyers, you can be fired. No one saw that coming. So they won the case in the Fifth Circuit. It then went to two other appeals courts, the Ninth Circuit, where Digital lost, and the Second Circuit. Both of those courts went with the whistleblower. Now, because there's this split in the courts, it's up to the U.S. Supreme Court to resolve it.
0: Well, Dodd-Frank itself is purported to be under fire from the current administration. Does that lend some concern to proponents of whistleblowing, that they may in future be in trouble?
1: There's no doubt about that. The Choice Act contains a provision that passed the House that would undermine the Wall Street protection. And what's incredible here is you look at the presidential campaign and everyone's like, we want to hold Wall Street accountable. Everyone talks about holding the big banks and Wall Street accountable. Yet, you have a Supreme Court decision that could turn regulations on its head if it goes wrong. And you have the House of Representatives in the Choice Act Looking to gut one of the most important whistleblower laws ever passed, which is for securities violations. So, whistleblower laws are always under attack because they work. They hold wrongdoers accountable. They are the number one source for all fraud detection. So, those people that want to protect themselves from fraud, you're talking tax fraud. You're talking about Medicare, Medicaid fraud. There's a lot of fraud out there. So companies that are either afraid of being found to have committed fraud or actively engaged in fraud, they are lobbying, paying millions to undo the whistleblower laws. The good news is they have not been successful, and Congress has strengthened the laws over the last 20 years. So the struggle continues But the whistleblowers have been holding their own because of strong public support.
0: But even so, have they not suffered horribly in some cases, even when they're victorious? Maybe you could call them pyrrhic victories in a way. They might have won their cases, but they're ruined financially, or they'll never get another job anywhere. So isn't there that concern as a whistleblower, a potential whistleblower, still likely to think twice before blowing the whistle with that in mind?
1: Absolutely. And... Although they're the number one source of fraud detection, we know through the the statistical analysis that's done by very reliable companies, often corporate America itself, that the overwhelming majority of employees who witness fraud and misconduct do not report or don't ever go to the government. They'll never file a case. Here's what's going on. If a whistleblower is known, in other words, they're going to suffer. There's a major study was conducted, sociological study with control groups, etc. And the title was Nobody Likes a Rat. And they demonstrated that if you are a whistleblower, you are going to be shunned and kicked out of jobs and not rehired, etc. So blacklisting and termination and employment discrimination is rampant for whistleblowers, and the handbook has entire sections on that. If you find yourself in a retaliation case, what you need to do to win. But what we have now found, and this is under the new laws, if you can file anonymously and confidentially so your bosses don't know who you are, that becomes the best job protection you can have. Say, under the radar screen, Get your information in a lawful way to the proper government investigators, law enforcement, work with law enforcement to find the wrongdoers guilty, and then you can obtain a monetary reward for your risk and for your effort. And those rewards are averaging over a million dollars each.
0: But can't in most cases or in many cases the corporation – put two and two together and figure out who that individual is, even if they are nominally
1: anonymous? In many cases, yes. But under the Securities and Commodities Law, which is and also covers foreign corrupt practices for foreign bribery, these are the most recent whistleblower laws, the government is required to use the whistleblower's information in a manner which will not identify the whistleblower. I will give you an example. I have some emails that have the whistleblower's name on it. In the old days, if I turn that over to law enforcement, they did, they may show that to the company, and my whistleblower's dead. Under the new law, they can't do that. They have to use the whistleblower's information in a way to hide the whistleblower's identity. So I have a case. I'll tell you just what happened. We have great emails. So instead of the government showing the company the emails, the government asked for all emails sent to certain managers. So once mm, the company mm-hmm. has to turn over all those emails, they want the hard access to the hard drive. They already know what emails they want to find, but guess what? They're going to find it by coincidence. They're going to find it, oh, look what we found. They won't just shove the whistleblower's evidence under their nose.
0: But they have to show cause for making the request in the first place.
1: Yeah, but the whistleblower information would be sufficient to get you a grand jury subpoena. Mm-hmm. Grand jury proceedings are confidential. So you can use the whistleblower's information to initiate the investigation, but you don't have to show that information to the defendant or the targets of the investigation. This only covers securities and commodities fraud, but it's a whole new way of viewing whistleblowing. This is the future.
0: You referenced the problem of going to a corporate ombudsman and also in the book, I believe, that you you say you should not go to corporate counsel. Is it the case that if you do detect fraud within the organization, you should immediately go outside the organization or should you relay your concerns to someone internally, at least initially?
1: Okay. If you find evidence of fraud and misconduct, you should read the handbook and you should go to an attorney. You need to find out the best way to report your information. That could be going confidentially to the government. Why? You don't want to tip off the wrongdoers that there's a whistleblower or that what evidence you're giving to the government. If you hand the evidence over to the attorneys for the company, we know what they're going to do. They're under a duty to protect the company. But if you hand that same evidence over confidentially to the government, guess what? you might be able to keep your job and continue giving information and the government can use that to build an investigation. This is just one hypothetical. Depends on who you work for, what you're blowing the whistle on, and the type of evidence you have. It's case by case. If it's an environmental case, you may deal with it differently. If it's a case in which life could be on the line, like right now, it's a major health and safety issue. Well, then you're going to want to act in a way to get that information to whomever is necessary to prevent a catastrophic outcome. You'll generally be protected. So the key is to find out how and to which office to give your information. I want to say one thing about company lawyers, that the history of those company lawyers is horrendous. They can declare information attorney-client, they can shield it from the government, but more significantly, any information you give to a company lawyer can be used against you. They're under no obligation to help you. The company lawyers represent the company. We have seen cases where the whistleblower's information is declared attorney-client privileged and is kept secret from the government. We've seen cases where they have threatened employees, saying that, oh, you're working with the lawyer, it's privileged, you can't tell anybody. We've also seen cases in which the employee, in good faith, gives information to the company lawyer, and the company lawyer turns around and uses it against the employee. That's the worst place to go company lawyer. I recommend again.
0: You lay out in this book, I believe, 31 rules for whistleblowers, and I think you say the single most important one, correct me if I'm wrong, is follow the money.
1: What do you mean by that? Sure. So in one of the earliest whistleblower cases, the judge correctly said, it was a health and safety case, the judge said safety costs money. Essentially, companies aren't these evil entities that are conspiring just to kill people. No, but what they will do is they will do very bad things for profit, keep their earnings high, and this will trickle all the way down to a line manager who doesn't want to get a bad review because they're losing money. The profit motive, the cost, will drive retaliation and will drive misconduct. So you want to understand what's driving the retaliation and the misconduct. And there's a second reason. They now have reward laws. So for example, if you're ripping off the government in a contract by a million dollars because you're not using the right cement, you're cutting quality assurance, you were supposed to hire doctors, but you only hired nurses, whatever it is you're doing to rip off the government, it's a million dollar ripoff. If you can show that, then it's a treble damage, the company owes 3 million and you the whistleblower can get 15 to 30% of that damage. So in a 3 million dollar case, what are you going to see? 450,000 up to 1.2 million. It's a good deal for the whistleblower. If you can show the financial harm being caused by the misconduct and harm I mean excessive profits, ripping off the government, misleading investors, there's a very strong chance you you can qualify for a financial reward. And guess what? The reward whistleblower laws are the most modern laws. They have the best protection. They have confidentiality provision. So if you can document a financial cost, you may find yourself protected under the best whistleblower laws in the United States.
0: And in the meantime, is it the case that confidentiality or anonymity shields you from the crippling cost of a years-long litigation if you were out there in the courtroom being the person who's pointing the finger publicly? Uh, Is that an argument you would make, the, the benefit of anonymity?
1: Yes, and my thinking on that has matured, and it's reflected in the handbook. In the old days, when there were not good laws on confidentiality, you'd advise a whistleblower accordingly and many would take the risk and they would suffer. But now, because there is confidentiality afforded under some of these laws, I've been able to see the difference when a whistleblower is never identified and can actually bring very strong evidence of criminal misconduct and never be outed. They can still work for the company. They can keep their friends. The difference is night and day. If there's any way in the world to keep the identity of the whistleblower confidential, that is now one of my main goals in helping whistleblowers and in directing them to the best laws.
0: What has been your success to date in that, in keeping that anonymity in perpetuity?
1: Well, I can't go into the details, but I'll tell you this. Essentially, I think maybe my largest case the company doesn't even know there was a whistleblower. I have had cases now where high-ranking officials, vice presidents, people at very high levels are whistleblowers, and nobody knows they are. I na- this has also opened up international cases where people can be from countries like Russia, China, the Middle East, South America, working for U.S. companies who are engaged in conduct like bribery, and they can blow the whistle safely even though they live in a country that has no protection. So the ability to maintain the identity of the whistleblower confidential has been, in my view, the single biggest advance in whistleblowing tied to financial rewards. The two go the same way. The only way to compensate a confidential whistleblower is through a reward. The hope is They never suffer retaliation.
0: And I'm guessing that you would argue or you would advise a client that the last thing they should do is go to the press with their charges, right?
1: Well, again, that's on a case by case basis. I have one case in the press where the journalists have championed a whistleblower and have pushed the company or the government agency to take action. And in other cases, the press can push the government to conduct the investigation that they're not conducting. So the press serves an invaluable role. It's just before you go there, you have to think it through and be strategic. You just walk into a journalist's office. That's a big mistake.
0: Well, this is a fascinating evolution of whistleblower law and the position of the whistleblower in, in, in legal cases that you've presented us with, Stephen Cohn. And it's a Fantastic new edition of your Whistleblower's Handbook also that lays out all of this information. We will link to it in the show notes to our episode. In the meantime, though, I want to thank you so much, Stephen Cohn, for joining us to talk a little bit about the plight and the future and the possibility of the whistleblower. Thank you so much for being with us.
1: And thank you. Fantastic show. Great interview. And uh, thank you. (laughs) That was
0: my conversation with attorney Stephen Cohn, talking about how corporate whistleblowers today can act without fear of retaliation. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain.